you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd overdrive. I will always survive. Now that you're, you know, since you did so well with the women, it was like, it was meant to be a total jerk tweet. Like, um, now that you've had uh, success for the women-only screening of Wonder Woman. Right. I can't remember what the, the are you going to have a men's-only screening of, I can't remember which movie it was that was coming up. Wonder and they Lucky? Said, no, nobody's, nobody's screening that. Not by this time. It's like, it was something that's coming out in a couple of weeks. And then they said... Or a clown's only screaming, uh, screening of it. And the Alamo Draft House tweeted back, great idea, we're stealing it. So they have scheduled a clown only screening of it. <laughs> and I think that is glorious. I would go see that, but I'd, I'd be standing outside just to watch them well, all the come que- out. Well, the, the question is, how many clowns can fit in? And then the answer is, all of them. Right, uh, right, know. right. But they're clowns coming from all over the nation to to show their support. I totally hope so. <laughs> I totally hope so. And then there are people on the subway going, "Clowns are scary." You know. Well, I think on Labor Day weekend I'll be in L.A. and I'm going to go to the Niebuhr House, which is the abandoned house in um, that they've set up on the corner of Hollywood and Vine, okay. a block away from where Hamilton is playing. Okay. And it's apparently because it, so far it's a two hour wait. And it is a house uh, outside. Several Georgies are walking around with red balloons, and you go in, and uh, it's full of evil clowns and jump scares. And I don't really want to do it, but I feel like I must because if if there ever was a haunted horror maze that I would enjoy, it would have to be this one. Yeah, I don't know how they did it. Because I, I walked by it, it looks it it looks really good, and I was like, there was a parking lot there a month ago, yeah. and it, it looks very sturdy. Just one night it showed up. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Warner Brothers claims no knowledge, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you have to exit through the sewer pipe where the kids confront Pennywise in the trailer, and I just showed Luke the. Original, the miniseries, the, miniseries. the original Richard Thomas, and yeah, yeah. And, and Harry Anderson. Here's a weird oh my God. thing. Yeah, whatever happened to Harry Anderson? I think he made a ton of money and he just retired. Um, and that's okay. I, I got no problem with that. Smart, but the weird, the weird juxtaposition of actors, the the kid actor versus the adult, is like I feel bad. So Richard Thomas was played by um, the kid that was on Sequest, uh, 2020. Oh jeez, um, Brandon. Oh, I can't remember what his name was, but who unfortunately passed away before, you know, he was like 17. Um, Jonathan Brandis, that was his name. And, um, but the kid who plays kid Harry Anderson, of all people, is Seth Green. Wow. <laughs> so I was wow. like, I'm watching it going, what? 
and he's actually and well, I shouldn't say actually because he was always a good child actor, but but it's weird because I don't think of him as the I knew he no, was, yeah. but I don't yeah. you don't think of him as the kid actor, and like he was, and, and he was really good. I can see him passing for a young Harry Anderson. Yeah, too, so yeah. you had Harry Anderson, John Ritter, Richard Thomas. Oh God, yeah, um, Richard Masur, um, yeah, who you know didn't get to have a big part. Um, Tim Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, from WKRP in Cincinnati, right, right. Venus Flytrap. But what I, but when you watch that original, it's like, wow. First of all, Tim Curry does not appear as often as Pennywise as he d- did in my memory. Like, there's a, you know, like <laughs> no, they, I totally, yeah. It's actually much less of a role than he I remember it in being. memory several times between episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. But I yeah. wanted to show Lou because I said, there's no way he's going to see the movie. He, nor does he want to because it's probably going to be rated R. Yeah. I, I don't know if yeah. they have assigned a rating. But, I said, you know, this was on TV at a time when that actually meant there right. was a difference. Right. And it was on ABC. So I said, you can watch this because then you know the plot and then that's all he really wants to know. Like, there are a lot of scary movies. He just goes, tell me the story. I just want to know the story. Right. And then I and then I know. So we watched it and he said, no, no, it was good. Thank you. You know, but what it sparked for me was I had not realized how much room to be scarier the movie could have right. without actually violating anything that Stephen King did. Like I, I remember that miniseries and feel, felt like it was really good. Yeah. It, it's not, it, it's okay. It's, you know, for the time, I mean, but, Salem's but, lot is for like 1990. Now, yeah. yeah. Right. Either version <laughs> of Tommy knockers is horrible. I've heard that. I didn't watch the Tommy knockers, yeah. but, um, you know, so I'm thinking there's a lot more potential, and for people that were like, why are you remaking it? You know, when that miniseries was so good, it's like one, it wasn't. And two, it's, it's time. Yeah. You can make a really, really scary it. So I'm, I'm, I got more excited by having watched that miniseries for how terrifying this movie is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we shall see and let's get into it. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And uh, this is the Fanboy Planet podcast. And, of course, across from me, oh, my God. Actually. How, how long has it been? It's been weeks. It's since been we've weeks. actually been live together yeah. in the Brett Cave. Yeah. Rick Brett Snyder. There we go. Podcast producer extraordinaire who I think – Last week, you you had to go above and beyond the Call of Duty. Uh, <laughs> you keep saying that. All I remember is the embarrassment. Well, but I want to praise you for Thank saving you. it. Yeah. You know, um, it, there are other producers who did not save it, literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we we will not. We won't go there. We won't. We'll not name. It's a great story. We won't go yeah. there. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, you, you, you called it out at a, at a convention. So I, yeah. I like totally forgotten about that lost episode. Uh, but we got some comics news, some movie news, some TV news. Uh, but first of all, I do want to say, of course, uh, that if we talk about something tonight that you would like to own, assuming that it is a book a DVD or some such thing that is actually legally ownable, uh, then please go ahead. If you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store, uh, please go ahead and find it at Amazon. And there's an Amazon link. <laughs> Let me preface that. I would prefer you find it at the Amazon link on fanboyplanet.com and go through and we get a small honorarium. Because you like that better than kickback, don't you? A small honorarium to help defray the cost of this podcast. Like taste. A taste. We get a just, taste of the transaction. Just a little flavor. Just yeah. a little taste. Um, this, we don't get any taste if they go to the Amazon brick and mortar store, though. That's true. 
Uh, what about the Amazon Rick and Morty store? Ooh, um, ooh, I'd go there. I suddenly, yeah, suddenly this podcast you know, is Coles over. Coles has a Rick and Morty T-shirt for ten bucks right now. You can already. That thing exploded, but we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, of course, if there's any other way you'd like to help defray, oh, you know, we do have an affiliation with Think Geek, which I think is a tremendous uh, money <laughs> money pit for me. Uh, that's why I I really do only follow that link once a month because I can't look any more often than that. I bought Justin a Sheikah site for his birthday. See, so there you go. Uh, so you go to thinkgeek.com. We have an affiliation. If you use the link, the banner there that's on fanboyplanet.com, we also get a, a small honorarium for that. And, of course, if you just like to help defray the cost, you can donate at PayPal at editor dot, <laughs> editor dot at fanboyplanet.com. Also, if you're screaming at us to get on with it, you can write in uh, criticism, commentary. Put it down in compliments, paper. Compliments. Uh, Put it down paper? on paper. I don't want to give the mailing address, but email I will, editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can tweet us at fanboyplanet, and you can follow us on the Fanboy Planet Facebook page, which is simply Fanboy Planet. Uh, we, should, we should encourage them to write their letters in crayon and scan them and send us to it. I'm okay with that, but, yeah. you know, if I, I, I just, I'm so lonely. Um, yes. You know, I want to follow. Uh, and, and so, anyway, let, let's get to it. Before we get to news of the week, uh, and I'm going to play this out as long as I can. But basically, I, I, I want to be able to make the podcast as interview-friendly as possible. And we have a good one tonight um, from Comic-Con. And I want to thank uh, Megan at Dark Horse for setting this up. Because I really, I recommended a book a few months ago called Spell on Wheels, which was about a... I guess post-college age group of young women who were dabbling in witchcraft two more seriously than the other. And uh, they go on a road trip because an ex-boyfriend steals all their magic items. And, it, and it's, I don't mean to make the stakes sound low because it really, because they're, they're, they're real. They are actually witches. And it's, uh, and this, this boyfriend's in deeper than he uh, knew he would be. And uh, so the trade paperback w- was released just before Comic-Con, and uh, I got a chance to sit down with the writer of the series, Kate Leth, who was also the writer on the Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat. Hellcat. And uh, the colorist. You know, I don't have enough conversations with colorists, and I call this up. Marissa Louise, and it's one of those books, and I think, I, you know what, I think the, the more you become aware of, oh, colorist is an artist, uh, is an uns- under underestimated art and you know it, it's it's good to sit down and and talk about well this really adds to the book obviously and it was a great conversation and it was at comic-con uh with so without further ado kate leth and marissa louise i'm at the dark horse booth with uh kate leth and marissa louise so uh please introduce yourself so that we know hi i'm kate leth i write comics and animation Hi, I'm Marissa Louise. I'm a colorist and color advocate, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's good. I don't often get to talk to the colorist. I'll get back to you, Kate. No, I know it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Marissa's like a it's, very it's, exciting you know, character. I've been going over the last couple of years saying like, that's the undersung portion of the art, really. Yes. And, a, and in Spell on Wheels, it's so beautifully done. Oh, thank you. So and good. really affecting mood and so forth. Yeah. So, like, yeah, no, it, 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 it's great. So... What got you into that as your chosen Sure, sure. Um, you know, like almost everyone in comics. I read comics since I was a little kid, right? And uh, I read a lot of Dark Horse stuff because the the library, or Dark Horse stock, stocked the libraries near us. 
uh-huh. with an O, not an A. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so I read a lot of Dark Horse stuff, um, and I, I I don't have the the kind of eternal patience it takes to draw the same thing a million times to do sequential comics. So I thought I could never make them right. Um, and I went to college for fine arts, and I, I took some comic making classes, but like I was only good at shorts, and I thought I could never do comics. And then uh, a million years later, I'm working in a cafe, and Dave Stewart comes in, <laughs> and he is just the sweetest gentleman in the world, and he's so shy. And um, I asked him what he did for a living, he gave me his card, and I realized that, that he was the person that colored all of the comics I love so much and that like he was the reason I read a lot of comics and then I was like that's a job and I asked him about it and I was like you can do just this and he's like oh yeah I, it's all I do and it was just like it was just like the world opened up for me <laughs> so. that's so cool I didn't know that story it's such a good story <laughs> yeah, that, that is really cool uh, so Kate what yes. was your inspiration for Spell on Wheels. It's for listeners. I'd actually recommended this book on my podcast nice. when the first Thank issue you. came out. To really, I was drawn to it. Thank you. Recommended. I'll, I'll name check the store. Earth Two Comics in Sherman Oaks. Oh yeah. Susan Avalon. Yeah, they're said, great. They're great. Said uh, you want to read this? I said yes, I do. You say so. So and it was great. So I, it's three young women who are witches. Yes. And. They're, they're on a road trip. <laughs> one bad ex-boyfriend and, mm-hmm. and kind of recovering magic items. It, it, yeah. it's, it's really fun. It's empowering. It's, it's, it's a great book. Well, what drew you to it? Well, I love uh, road trip stories, and I love road trips in general. And I really wanted to do something where that was like a big part of the story, like how each issue would take place in a different place. Because um, I also sort of grew up on Monster of the Week stuff like Charmed and The X-Files and Buffy, and I love that format. A lot. Some people don't because I, I think TV's sort of designed differently now, especially since so many things are made for like binge watching, right? But I love that stuff, and um, so I just really wanted to do that. I wanted to do something that was inspired by movies I loved, like uh, The Craft and Practical Magic and things like that. And that was just sort of where it came from. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting when you say like Buffy and X Files. There, there would be yes, they kind of started the game for serialized storytelling, mm-hmm. but had the one-offs, and then I, I felt like the, the side side trip with the suburban women yeah. and the ghost, it was like, what a surprise. I, this, yeah. We're going, on, let's take a stop over there. So it yeah. definitely has that monster of the week feel, but in five issues, six issues? Five issues, yeah. Five, okay. Yeah, it was something I really wanted to do. I wanted there to be a different kind of supernatural instance in each town, the way that, like, Supernatural, the show, is a similar thing, but I really wanted it to do, and I also, like... Part of it was born from a conversation I kept having where people were saying, well, we don't really do books for teens, like teen girls, like it's YA stuff or it's mature. And I was like, but I grew up on all the stuff that was made for teens. Like, I loved that stuff and it was so influential to me and I really want to do that and I think it's totally a market worth uh, creating for. So that was a big part of it too. It was great. <laughs> and a great title. Do you, do you, do you really like go through, what puns can I come Well, up hilariously, with the original title was Witch Hunt. 
Um, but we couldn't get the rights to it for one reason or another. And then we went back and forth. I think there were like 30 different titles, and we landed <laughs> on Spell on Wheels. And there were definitely some bad ones. Again. There were some bad ones. <laughs> I don't remember them, but I like the one we ended up with. That's good. So it sounds like you were both in, 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 you were in at the beginning as well. So when you're, did you come to Dark Horse with a package or did you say, I've got this idea? Yeah, I came to them with a pitch and with uh, some character designs that my friend Kendra Wells did, and she's amazing. Um, and we came to them, and then we developed it a little bit, and uh, then there were some change-ups that happened there, and then um, and then Megan got brought on to draw it, and then Marissa. Um, and I had written a lot of it before Megan really started drawing it, so it was a fairly cohesive story before she got into it, which was cool, because then she really got to know who the characters were, rather than, you know, doing it one at a time, right. um, which is great, yeah. and I think that worked out really well. Have to check, change your approach. Yeah, it was awesome, and, and we really we really gelled. We had this huge Pinterest board yep, for all yep. of the fashion and the different, yep. like, looks different for palettes, all the different characters different and the things colors. We yeah. about. And we had a lot of great. conversations. Like Kate was saying, she wanted it to be Monster of the Week. And so uh, everything, everything Kate and Megan said, they were they said it to me. Yeah. So I was able to re-emphasize a lot of that stuff in the color. Like you'll notice, uh, each uh, each issue has uh, has distinct palettes. Yeah. So that each location, the emphasis. Yeah. Is that it's a new location? And the different kinds of magic time. have different yeah. colors. There's like, different, like there's I, I actually had a oh it's in the back of this. I have a little chart of all how the different magics work. Yes, yeah. so that so that I forget things. <laughs> so I try to stay really organized, and I want there to be an internal logic to the coloring. Um, so and like like with the hands, uh, the nails. Everybody had their own style of nail polish that I thought about. It was so cool. Because it's like, I I know as a reader, I recognize those things. And I know, especially as a young lady, mm-hmm. I would have I would have been able to tell by the way the girls did their nail polish who they were. Yeah. And I, like, I'm so keyed into that kind of stuff. And I always notice artists who really focus on fashion. And all of our cover artists are all people yeah. that that I know is a concern for them. Because it, like, you know, Joe and Ming and Paulina and Marguerite and Jen are all artists yeah. who are really, really good with fashion yeah. and really care about it in their work. And you can tell when artists don't and everyone's just in a T-shirt. Yeah. And that's fine, but it was such a... It was such a thing that I really care about. Like I, I'm, I'm on this Buffy podcast every two weeks, buffering the Vampire Slayer, and I do fashion updates where I talk about the fashion <laughs> in the specific episodes of Buffy. So it's okay. clearly something that I really care about, and it was something that Marissa and Megan were like super into and on board with from the beginning, and that was really cool. I have a D and D podcast, and my character, like, uh, she's a bard, and. Uh, Every every episode, I have to describe her outfit in full. And like, our fans are like starting to write to me about her outfits yeah. and asking if they can do fan art and stuff. Just because so it's good. like, it's just, no fans write back, push back and say she'd never wear that. Not yet. We're not very many episodes in, but I'll I'll, I'll see if how far I can yeah. push it. <laughs> It, seven has kind of a, enough of an open end. I could like to see a spell on wheels. Too, I would love or some to other. do more. I would love to do more. Tell all your friends to buy two copies. Tell your local library to order it. Yeah, that's a library. big one. Great for it's local a big libraries, one. actually. 
Um, and it's because it's great. I mean, it's 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 YA or teen. Like, it, it, there's nothing really objectionable in it, and other than the queer stuff, which like is not objectionable in my book. I, um, well, I guess we're in California. <laughs> right? I don't think so. Uh, but so that would be my local library. I, I wrote it, so of course it does. Yay. Is basically um, the thing. But no, I, 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 yeah, I really encourage people to pick it up because I would love to get back into that world and deal with those characters more because there's so much more I want to explore with them. I mean, five issues seems like a book seems like a lot but it's really not it's, it's there's I, so I, much I more I'd love to do I want to know how he got that be that way <laughs> me too it was just fun you know I love how much people loved the goat man yeah, they love him he's, he's a very popular guy he's like this well, is you know are what? people going to think this is really weird or are they going to get it I'll and be honest I don't like it. goat boy for Saturday Night Live but you made me like that <laughs> was so much better Megan made uh, him so hot she was <laughs> good at that that was hilarious so yeah and what a banner year for Megan I think I picked up oh, she's amazing yeah because Angel City and I know Angel she's City. doing and she's doing a bunch of Lady different Frankenstein stuff yeah. yeah so she's so what great what a great all of you coalescing to look fantastic. Yeah, we love each other. Yeah, it was a well, really, really good. great book that's to work nice on. To I'm sure we'll find other things to work on together. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Well, I was given the high sign, so thank okay. you so of much course, for taking the time. Of course, thank you. And once again, that book is Spell on Wheels. And follow Kate's advice and, and uh, buy it for yourself and recommend it to your local library because I'm pretty sure that in the YA category, this thing should be extremely popular. So let's get to some comics news, because there's a big event this week um, that's sort of the thing where, outside of of our kind of, of news uh, sites, uh, people probably aren't, aren't acknowledging, that's the 25th anniversary of Wildstorm, and, which would be Jim Lee's imprint, which DC bought and is trying with Warren Ellis to revive slowly well, in the rebirth. Of- Image first. It came out of Image, Image but Wild, it was a sub imprint of Image, right? As Top Cow is, yeah. uh, you know. So, and are there any other sub imprints? Was Extreme was Rob Liefeld's su- imprint, oh. or was that after he left Image for a while? I don't remember. Extreme Studios, I think. Yeah. Um, I certainly think Wildstorm was. I shouldn't say the most successful because Top Cow's been going really steady all along, but I think. Wildstorm was most consistently successful. Mm-hmm. Top Cow had a lot of one-offs. The start and the, you know, kind of sputtered starts. Two, no, two which, and out. which Blade in the Darkness were that's were very true. Big. Those, but, but there were a lot. Well, of Well, let's other not ones. go off to the left. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about Wildstorm, which began with well, Wildcats. A lot of people with claws in those books. In the and all in those the books, because I was thinking, isn't Wildcats? Didn't that is there was a Wildcats with had one character that was oh Maul that had the spikes, mm-hmm. the big it was claws on his shoulder. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was trying to think of all the characters in Wildcats. So that would be, let's say, it came up with Maul. I think Grifter was officially a member. Grifter, uh, Spartan, Voodoo, Voodoo and, and Zealot. Zealot, yeah, Zealot yeah, was so the, uh, kind of the Wonder Woman analog. Yeah, she was the she she had trained Grifter. I don't know if she. Well, you know what? I, I haven't caught up on the Wild Storm that Warren. I don't Ellis know if it's continued into this one, but it was in two. It's it's been in two revisions that she had trained. Grifter that they were connected to her because Grifter and Voodoo were New Fifty Two books, weren't they? Initially, uh, yeah, they didn't they last were. long. They didn't last long. No, I didn't like what they did with Voodoo at all. And no, I didn't like what they did with Voodoo. And I, Grifter was one of those is he insane or not? Books. He's a character yeah. that I really like, and I think it's for whatever reason. And I, I mean, literally, I don't know the reason. I, I something about him visually just totally 
gets to me. You know, I, I don't I don't know why. Um, I think because he it's almost like the ragman thing where it, he looks hurried in the way he put it together, and that became his his look. In you the know? way he put his uniform. Yeah, he was. Um, he's kind of the Wildstorm analog to Gambit, really. He, he's, and that that timing would be about right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the I I liked Grifter. I mean, through most of it, and I liked I, mean, I liked all the Wildstorm stuff. I, I read just about everything they did. And we um, said I don't know, but it was a fifteen years ago or more that uh, DC bought it. Yeah. Uh, and brought Jim Lee on board as, and now he's co-publisher with Dan DiDio. Um, but through Wildstorm, I want to acknowledge we also got America's Best Comics, so League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yep. Tom Strong, right. uh, Gray Shirt, the uh, Authority. Uh, that's right, the Authority Planetary. Planetary uh, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, so I just w- you want to acknowledge, and this, the the thing is, right now, there really is only one book that is uh, that is right. standing from it. Well, no, I take that back. Astro City, which has become a Vertigo book, uh, but yeah. Astro City was uh, was also. But it wasn't for, connected to any of the other. No, stuff. no, 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 and so, uh, no. All the, the Alan one, Moore's. All the, all the other ones were connected. No, the Alan Moore ones weren't. The America's Best comics were not connected. No, that's correct. They weren't. Yeah. So I forgot that America's Best was was a, a sub imprint of the oh, sub imprint. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, and so yeah, Astro City was always a separate thing, but it was very. It was. It, <coughs> it's a very cool book, but the others were. Where's, where's Promethea? Promethea was. Uh, Wasn't that America's Best? That's an America's Best, too. Because yeah. Alan Moore just basically, it was designed to be the Alan Moore imprint. And, then and that was Alan give, Moore and Mick Ray. Uh, well, J. J. H. Williams III is oh, yeah, the penciler. Sure, sure. No, because if you just said, and Mick Gray, yeah. when Mick Gray hears this, he would be <laughs> saying, uh, no, guys. Uh, you know, uh, oh, I forget everybody else. No, I, I know. because And as I keep telling Mick, it's like, you know, your inking is... You bring out the best right, of pencilers, right. and I think he, you know, which is part of what makes makes so great is you know his humility. Yeah, and and it is like there's a consistency that it's like uh, Terry was it Terry Austin, the guy that used to ink John Byrne. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. it's like when you see Terry Austin inks, they were always fantastic, but you wouldn't necessarily know it was Terry Austin. Right, because he just brought out the yeah. best of somebody else. And Terry Austin by himself is great. Yeah, another one that was undersung. One day we will get Mick to do another book besides the, besides Albie Mouse, which is good too. Yeah, but we will get him to pencil something. We I don't know somebody will. Uh, so I just wanted to acknowledge that birthday. Twenty five years. Twenty five years, and it wasn't it wasn't changing, and they don't go away. You know, I think I was thinking about what's like one of my favorite things about Wildstorm was that like they had a great Superman analog with Spartan. It was a really he well, was, they had another Superman analog. Which was even better. The Spartan's half-brother. Right. Uh, Mr. Majestic. Right. There was something so bold about calling the character that. Naming and, him after a Charles Bronson character. And there was a great uh, crossover between Majestic and Superman. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, so there have been a lot of efforts to to give it kind of mainstream success. And, and uh, it's a better, it was a better imprint than I think where its sales are or where its presence in the DC universe yeah. is, yeah. Uh, you know, would, would tell man, you the if story. if you're going to go out back and read any of the stuff from that, I'd start with Planetary. 
that is just such a it's such a groundbreaking well you know that's a, that's a question i have and i think we'll be following up because i've got a little experiment going with uh dave mcguire right now oh is, yeah is <laughs> do we have do we have i don't have a title for it yet no, no, you've got mcguire but you need you need like a, a control case a mcguire that isn't being influenced by all this stuff we, we 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 are we are the control case no no because my question was uh, he bought a classic graphic novel that I will not name until I get him to admit it uh, that he had never read that was like uh-huh. a really seminal one. And when we were standing in Earth 2 comics in uh, Sherman Oaks, I said, you know, I'd be real, I'll be really interested to hear what you think because my concern now is, you know, I read this when it first came out. Does it have the impact on a reader now when it's been imitated so many times? Right. Or, or elements of it have been have been Im- imitated, and I feel. But I told him, you know, someday you're not ready for, for planetary yet, son. But soon, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and and I agree. I think planetary is amazing. But I also wonder: is planetary a brilliant book for just people that really, really know all this stuff? And you know, that's that's the, but but you can't go wrong with John Cassidy art. You can't go no. wrong with Warren Ellis writing. The authority, I don't know if the authority stands up as well, because I think a lot of the ideas in it have been kind of repudiated. But Planetary has no Okay, I'll give you the one, that, the one that I think stands on its own. It was Global Frequency. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that is such Another a, Warren Ellis book. That's a gobsmack of a book. You know, you just, it just you, from page one, you just fly through that story and then they end. You know, it's like, just yeah. amazing. I would have loved to seen somebody do that, do a, that could go to TV really easily. They've tried twice. Have they, have they done pilots? Yes. Oh, I haven't seen anything. Huh? Okay. Michelle Forbes starred <coughs> in the pilot wow. that they did for the WB. I think it was for the WB. Not It was before the CW was formed. I know they were trying a second one. I don't know if the second one was shot. Yeah. And it was years later. But uh, but there is a full-fledged pilot for the for uh, a WB version of Global Frequency, Michelle Forbes is the lead. Just the, the and because the pacing of it, and I think if you stuck to the, the way that the books are written, you'd have a really unique. Um, and you'd have you'd have uh, kind of the Mission Impossible equivalent of uh, the Black Mirror kind of going on. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the uh, just, just, you, just Black Mirror. You know how I feel about articles that are unnecessary. The show Black Mirror. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not the Black Mirror. Okay. It's like saying Black Mirror. the Watchman. No, no, don't do that. Okay, what movie was that that actually put the Watchman? Uh, it was one of the Duplass brother movies. Had that uh, with with Jonah Hill. Uh, it had a marquee that said the Watchman, the Watchman. and uh, the the people that I was with just turned and went, ha ha ha! The movie is mocking <laughs> you. Uh, you know, so. Uh, I can't remember the name of that actual movie was, but anyway. Uh, so let's turn to what's in the bag. I want to keep it a little short tonight. Okay. So. Uh, well, I'll start because this is just becoming a, a regular theme for me because each one of these is just uh, really good. Uh, this week we have again celebrating Jack Kirby's 100th birthday, Manhunter oversized special, and what I think is lovely about this book is we've got multiple Manhunter renditions in here. Um, all of which who were done by Kirby at one time or another. And then we have a demon adventure, which is uh, Etrigan, the demon, um, 
and it's it looks like it's fairly short, but it does look. Uh, it's Steve Rude. Yeah, and and Steve Rude is is a Jack Kirby, uh, definitely a Jack Kirby influenced artist. Well, but. what I love about Steve Rude is he is he looks like Steve Rude, but he looks like Kirby. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a certain buoyancy to Rude that isn't in Kirby, um, but Kirby has. I mean, whereas. Whereas Rude, you sometimes think, well, they're just kind of floating through that space. But Kirby's like, they've been shot through a cannon through that space. Yeah, I would say there's a grace. Maybe that's the way the buoyancy is. Yeah. If there's a grace, like when you read Nexus, there's a grace that Rude's balance, art has. almost ballet. Where um, ballet. Kirby just wanted to punch you in the face. Yeah, and you liked it. <laughs> Absolutely. You came back for more. And my safe word is Manhunter. Right. <laughs> and then there's, there's a bunch of, uh, again, there's a bunch of Kirby shorts. And I think... The, the the shorts they picked for this are the kind of the weak point of uh, of this book, but nonetheless, again, four ninety nine. I don't care. Well I've not it. felt. I mean, this is a way to give like so, so for my son who reads it, and as I have to keep reminding Anna at Elusive, not every not every boy has a me as their dad, but still, my son gets to pick up and just get a taste in a modern way of this stuff that influenced me, and he likes them. Yes. And, you know, that, that's that's all there is to it. I should mention Dan DiDio is the scripter on ah, the on the Manhunter ah. story. And, you know, out of the New 52... And Keith Giffen is the artist. Yeah, and out of the New 52, that OMAC book that they did that only lasted like six issues... It was actually pretty It good. was crazy. It's like, what would yeah. Kirby have done in 2010... Yeah. The Dio's got it, yeah. you know, and I and I will never, never undersell that. So uh, let me go to another DC, and this is the beginning of a miniseries, a future Nightwing, and this is just to make uh, to make Dan DiDio cringe. So is it Nightwing: The New Order? Is Nightwing: that the, the New Order? It's a future set, uh, you know, it's a dystopia. What happens after uh, you know Superman falls away and Dick Grayson is doing his uh, is trying to trying to survive as a much older uh, guy coming out of retirement as Nightwing. Um, I don't think I've ever read a story outside of an annual when they would do those kinds of themed things where you saw focused on the future Dick Grayson. Yeah. So I'm kind of thrilled by this. I'm, I solidly like the Nightwing book that's out of rebirth. And so, you know, Nightwing's popular. You know, every time I see Nightwing nowadays, I still flash on that VR uh, Batman story. Yeah, Batman Arkham. Which, in which the death of Nightwing figures very heavily. Yes, and they, what a surprise that was when I let my son play it first. They, yes. they break it down by the fractions of seconds as to how he was taken out and killed. Yeah. And that was just so striking and, and um, disturbing that uh, you know, then you, every time I see it, 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 it really affected the way I think about the character. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but... I'm I'm recommending this book side unseen. So cool. You know, it's next on your stack. Next on my stack is GG Generation Gone number two. Um, I put Generation Gone number one. Yes, uh, you did on my list. Just basically on the, on a quick read through. I went back and reread it, and um, this is really a very different kind of book, but it's still a very similar type of book because it's a, it's kind of. Um, how scienced up these uh, individual characters have gotten to get superhero powers and how it's affecting them. Um, the cover on this one, you have someone who's just recently learned that they can fly, and they're obviously very exuberant about that by the censored word balloon that you have on the cover. But uh, I'm recommending this one. It's it's uh, 
I, I don't know any of the guys who were who were responsible for this book. I stumbled through the uh, the pronunciation. I've of seen Lescott's work. Lescott, uh, okay. You know, I'm I'm I know others will will know better. Yeah. I, I know I've seen I've, I've seen his work. So Image Comics presents, and it's a four dollar book, three ninety nine. So Generation Gone number two. All right. Uh, next up, because I just haven't given it love in a while, though, there's a new artist on this, uh, Exo Man of War from Valiant, which um, I realize the more it's gone on, you know, which it was the barbarian character given the suit of right, armor. Right, right, um, They have evolved the story, and that's what I really love about this. <coughs> this is a – what has come gone before is still valid, but now he had retired, the Man of Peace, ah. on an alien world. And is called back in to be a warrior. So he's still the same guy, but he's kind of yeah. progressed from the fact that he's a stranger in the society. Yes, with but but uh, no, he had become a farmer. He found a, an alien wife, and he had just gone rural, agricultural, and he had the suit like it buried it, and it's communicated with him, calling him forth. Oh, I remember that issue. I remember that, yeah. that was the first and, issue, and that was the first issue. Yeah. And what he took was he then had it forge a ring so he would have it with him, but is using it to remind him that he doesn't want to become that man again. But he's still an incredible military tactician. He's an incredible warrior. And it's like he's an addict to the suit, and he's trying very hard not to, not to call forth the suit. So it's an alien barbarian story where at any time he could kick everybody's – he could end it. But uh, by calling forth the suit, but he doesn't want to be caught up in that. And it's a really interesting take on a character that you thought you knew, which the original Exo Man of War was kind of that way. When right. it was like Valiant Evers, like, this is Iron Man. No, it's this it's this barbarian who has this alien tech. And, uh, you know, now he refuses to use that alien tech in a world that it would be totally appropriate <laughs> to use that alien tech. And so it's re- Matt Kint is the writer on that, and he's re- done a really interesting twist. So I'm I'm loving this book. Now, I sent you mail on this. I don't know if you looked into it, but Madefire actually has a lot of the Valiant, a lot of Valiant first issues available for free. You can download them mm-hmm. without without any charge, too. So I get we, that email, too. I don't know okay. if you... Well, I didn't hear back from yeah. you. I didn't know if you, you'd gotten it. So, um, yeah, you can you can... Check out the Made Fire and check out some of the the Made Fire. Check out Made Fire. The Made Fire. Oh, okay. The Made Fire app is what I meant to say. And check out some of the books uh, without any risk. So, well, there is no risk. I I can honestly say I have not picked up a Valiant book that I have not been super pleased with. Um, you know, so and and they're doing a wide variety. So, what's next on your stack? The last thing on my stack is another one of my guilty pleasures and we've talked about the fact that this is a guilty pleasure i knew i don't want let's not call it guilty that's because you're so unrepentant i am so you're not guilty i try and make myself more human by saying i'm guilty about this there's nothing you can do to make yourself seem okay well i'll give up on that yeah so we've got (laughs) volume one from boom studios and this is an inch thick book um this is volume one planet of the apes archive these are the uh, the black and white oversized magazine format books that came out um, late 70s. I've got them all broken down in here as far as when each individual episode. Marvel, right? Yeah. Um, they did come out from Marvel. Uh, I'd forgotten. There's there's uh, there's two things about this. One, 
the articles in here explaining the time frame and everything in the book are really good. However, it doesn't include the articles that were actually in the magazine talking about the Planet of the Apes phenomenon, which was uh, which w- was like Deadly Hands Kung Fu, a um, percentage of the book, you know, maybe 50%, maybe 40, 50% of the book was prose articles about uh, Planet of the mm-hmm. Apes movies and the upcoming, at that time, TV series that was going to come out, which was the fact that they were coming out with a TV series was the reason why Marvel jumped on the bandwagon with Planet of the Apes as a as an oversized well, book. Well, because the timing was right to make it after the success of Star Wars, right? And, well, you had you had the fifth, you'd done the five ape books, and so then we had they had the world that they could then take from there, and they do start with after they start with uh, so after I, battle for the I, planet. I, I see, I'm going to go back and do a timeline and, and and figure out because I don't remember if it was just that Roy Thomas was scrambling around for adaptations because that's famous about Star Wars, like that nobody wanted it, and Roy Thomas says, "No, we you know we don't take it." When you think about this, that Howard Chaykin was put on that book because Howard Chaykin was the cheap guy. Yeah. You know, it, it, it yeah. was just like he was the guy who needed the work. and But at the same time, Marvel had a Logan's Run book. Yeah. And it was and really good. Of the Apes, yeah. I liked it. Didn't last past, like, what, two issues past the movie? They did a lot of books we forget about. They had a Buckaroo Banzai series for a while. But that was, but that, not for a while, it was two issues. And it was only, no, that trust me. Okay. Uh, and it was, all it was was two issues reprinting the Marvel Super Special that had adapted the movie. So um, they were trying. You yeah. know the the long the long running adaptations were out of that Battlestar Galactica, which I think made it twelve issues, and then they had a good run on Star Trek till Paramount pulled the license. Well, yeah. So um, the nice thing about this book is there are some great artists in this. Besides, you know, Doug Moak, you got Mike Plug and Tom Sutton, Herb Trimp, um, all Trimpy. Times with Shrimpy. I will never forget Stan yeah, Lee yeah, yeah. breaking that down in a boat in a soapbox. Um, this is volume one and. Volume two is going to have my favorite series, which was like, it's a Tom Sutton series where the the two volumes are encompassing an overarching series, which was Terror on the Planet of the Apes, Mm -hmm. um, where you have uh, Jason and Alexander, the human and ape friends going out and exploring the world and running across like Davy Crockett analogs and... Other types of mutants. And I like and Tom Sutton art. There's another. There's Tom a guy. Sutton, that's what I was just There's a guy into. who passed out of fashion, but he was great. His stuff is so amazingly organic. The, the 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 my favorite parts of that were the ships. He had these great um, galleon ships that were just like city signs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, I mean, as much as I like Plug for his kind of drippy, mm-hmm. organic, wet stuff. Sutton's was solid, but more, you know, cellular, and it looked like it had been grown or, you know, it had been around long enough that things had been smoothed down. He was a great sci-fi artist. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's still around. I honestly, I think we, you know, we talked, we've talked last, a couple of weeks ago about, like, Neil Adams, how he, you know, moved things forward amazingly. Yep. I think there are unsung artists of the 70s. Plug, I would agree. Kind of one of them. Yep. Um, and then I would say Val Mayerick. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and Tom Man Sutton, Thing. Man, uh, yeah. Man Thing and, well, and Howard the Duck. I yeah. mean, you know, but and Gene Colan kind of rode the wave. He, but Colan had been earlier and already been there, being totally. But you go from Sutton, 
I think you, to some extent, get uh, well. Bernie Wrightson gets the credit and, yes. and should. Yes, but Wrightson's out of that same time period. Wrightson doesn't have near the volume that you have have with some of these other guys. Wrightson Wrightson did you know a long run on Swamp? Not even a long run. Twenty issues on Swamp Thing. Well, he did the run on Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah. and the, but he got picked up, you know, with yeah other artists. Um, well, I think they brought in Alfredo Acala. There was that uh, that. Uh, influx of, uh, of filipino artists yeah they were, they were you know cost cutting honestly while all those guys came in and an issue of batman and which know. by the way i don't think I, I you know i think we we may have called out but you know uh i did talk at comic-con with the guy the, the harper row that just started their graphic novels and uh, so i talked to the, the the one of the editors and said uh, that they you know they picked up creep show because they realized that they had right, speaking of right. Resident, that they had Creep Show in their archives, and had let it fall out of print. And I said, and they said, the guy said, after we had done the first book, which was that Jeff Lemire um, graphic novel, I, I can't remember the title of, really good but really huge graphic novel hardcover. And he said, and then he said, once I got permission to do graphic novels. I had to get Creepshow back into print, ah. and it was you know I was glad to hear Good. that that you know the, the, I think it is Harper that is just the guy running it is he he loves the stuff you know yeah so so. Um. That's this good. A, it's a fifty dollar book, but it is. But that looks like a, a solid fifty dollar book. book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With a little little imprinting imprinting on the cover, it's indented around the planet of the Apes. Little embossing. Yeah. And it's it's it's. Kind of a reverse emboss. It's, it's well, impressed. Ross will be, Ross Ritchie will be happy to yeah. uh, you know to hear that. Yep. Oh, so. the planes have been called on us. Uh, I'm hearing it now. Stay quiet. They never catch us. <laughs> uh, my last one is a trade paperback, and you know I don't know. If, I don't think this was a miniseries. First, let me see. I should, no, no. This is a, an original graphic novel, and it's actually I think this is going to be weird to realize it. This is one of the first books being pulled by uh, editor Daniel Chabon, who I think is Michael's son. Interesting, um, okay. Um, who I can remember running around WonderCon in a Mr. Terrific t-shirt. <laughs> uh, I, I could be wrong, and somebody can write in to editor at fanbyplanet.com and tell me and tell me I'm wrong. But uh, this this is placed in my box because of the uh, the all-things-Dorkin rule I have on my pool list. <laughs> uh, it's Evan Dorkin and Sarah Dyer with Kala Cthulhu, so the pun, the alliterative pun, and it's the it's a YA Cthulhu novel about a young heroine with the hair of uh, of the Cthulhu. They didn't do the apostrophe T. Being a teenager isn't easy, especially after you learn you carry the bloodline of Lovecraft's great old ones in your veins. Lovely, lovely, and uh, so the, you know this is the writers of of Beast of Burden, which I love. So uh, I am super excited to pick this up. I didn't know it was coming, and it was a surprise in my box today. And I love Evan Dorkin and Sarah Dyer together. I love Beasts of Burden. Uh, it's a great it's it's a great book, and so I'm really looking forward to sinking my teeth, if you will, into this one. And uh, and I know that it's going to be one too. That I'm glad to pass along to my to my kid. It's yeah. going to be a fast read too. It's I mean it's well very, that's what I need these days. It's a very open open style layout. Yeah. and very light on the text. Well, you know, for a guy who who does some incredibly wonderful and amazingly priced at twelve ninety nine, it's a good. It's this is that's three quarters of an inch of book. Well, you know, we're back to this idea. Last week when we were talking about Spy Seal, it's like you put something like this in trade paperback, 
you know, in a paperback, this is going to sell at a Barnes and Noble and an Amazon.com, which you can do through uh, Fanboy Planet. Um, you know, it's like Spy Sealed, the kind of quirky stuff. There is an audience for it. There is a taste for it, but they're not necessarily walking into comic book stores. They want to pick up a book. And, I, and DC gets it, and we will, you know, I'm sure we will be talking about that in the months ahead as we, I think we had talked about, like, how All-Star Batman, Scott, Scott Snyder's All-Star Batman, is moving to graphic novel format. And because DC realizes that, that's where a bigger audience is. And so I, you know. I think it's a good move. I mean, the uh, all the stuff in All-Star has been... They've they've been playing two storylines that have definite ends and different art teams yeah. and yeah yeah I mean I I'd rather a writer of Scott Snyder's caliber just mm-hmm. poke around in the Batman mythos as he as he pleases yeah you know so we'll see speaking of poking around in the Batman mythos let's talk movies <laughs> uh, I don't know how closely you followed and I don't know how I've managed to follow because every it seems like it's like it's like national it's like actual real world political news. You go away There's for only a few so much hours. There's batshit crazy you, stuff I can you, do. You, you go away for a couple hours. You come back and you go, oh, it's turned upside down again. again. And that's what's happening the in the world DC Cinematic down. Universe or the DC Extended Universe. So Martin Scorsese oh my. is producing uh, a, a an 80s set Joker origin story. Okay, I'm going to have to reparse this after you're done with this. I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be written and directed by Todd Phillips, who is the director of The Hangover. Um, okay. It's not going to have anything to do with the DC Extended Universe. They just want to do a crime story with the Joker and his origin. That's insane. Yeah. The director of The Batman, the writer-director, Matt Reeves, who's the Planet of the Apes, uh, the guy who did the last two movies in the Planet of the Apes trilogy, uh he was misquoted as saying the Batman was not going to take place in, it was not going to tie in with the rest of the DC extended universe. He had to correct that today and says, of course it is. I was misquoted. Um, but anything's possible now because, well, no, what, well, there you go. It is more like real life, except where are you Batman? Um, that the, that with the Joker story, what they're saying is they want to tell stories that aren't, tied into everything else to which on one hand i think yes there's room for that right but like i said years ago with uh, not years ago weeks ago but years ago when like years when ago. batman and robin the george clooney movie said right. like this is why superman works alone and everyone yeah it's like they don't have to be tightly interconnected just like the comics don't have to be right right you could we just still want a continuity of there's never an explanation as when when gotham is burning and about to blow up why superman doesn't show up yeah the excuse in no man's land made almost no sense whatsoever um that's when everyone should have said bruce you need to lighten up yeah uh how about a massage uh it's not it's not so much your city anymore yeah yeah, you know and and so it's interesting because i i think to some extent you know marvel is almost going to take this tack but it it is crazy to me because basically now dc is saying it's or not dc warner brothers is saying we're going to do what we were always doing before because please tell me that shaquille o'neal's steel does not fit in with any other movie continuity um and, and jonah hex doesn't um <laughs> I had to say it just to see. I'd rather have Jonah Hex than Steel. Uh, that's true. See, um, but on the other hand, you've established it this way. You need to just 
this is the hand you yourself dealt. You have to play it. Right. Um, or you don't have to, but I get it. You know, it, it's just, it is crazy because then they all said, oh, Suicide Squad 2 is getting fast-tracked and, uh, you know... And we know Nightwing's coming, and there's still going to be a Batgirl coming, and and it's just, I think what it really is is they want to be able to tell whatever. Oh, I should also <laughs> say, then after the news of the Joker origin story, then they said there's going to be a, a cinematic Mad Love, a Harley Quinn and Joker with Jared Leto film in development now. So okay, yeah, it, it's like how- also the the Joker the Joker movie they want to do. Is not with Jared Leto. It's not with Jared Leto. It'll be a younger actor. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, because I didn't really say it, because they, they don't yeah. really know. Because all the headline is, Martin Scorsese wants to <laughs> yeah, produce exactly. a DC movie. Right. But if you did something like the Brian Azzarello... And he didn't choose Hit Monkey? Because that's a Marvel movie. Oh. That's the movie James Gunn wanted that's to right. make, and then they offered him Guardians of that's the Galaxy right. instead. Uh, but don't you worry. 2024... We're getting hit, monkey. I'm gonna get there. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so the other side is, you know, they're, they're just picking up what they can. They don't. They still every move that Warner Brothers makes with DC Films says we have no idea what we're doing. I think out of Comic Con, all those announcements. If we actually see Flashpoint, not that I really want to, because I'm in the minority of not being a big fan of the Flashpoint yeah. uh, event. Sorry, other than the Batman story, um, well, I guess maybe then then DC's on the right track. Make give me that Thomas Wayne Batman story, um, you know. But if they adapt the origin, or if they do echo the Brian Azzarello, um, I want to say Eduardo Risa, and that's not right. Um, the multiple Jokers. No, 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 no. There was a graphic novel that Lee Bermejo that Mick inked. A graphic novel where it was all the villains being set up as they looked more realistic, which is what Jared Leto, uh-huh. to me, was they were modeling his look after that graphic novel. Batman doesn't appear. It's the Joker with the grill. He's got the gold teeth because, of course, they've been knocked out so many times in right. bat- in battle. And they're all thugs. They're not. Uh, no Lee Bermejo has drawn them as if um, as if their deformities are reasonable within hum- within real human expectation. Okay. And um and, and it's not about Batman. It's a crime thriller. It's a it's a you know, a Brian Azzarello crime thriller with the Gotham villains. You know, the, the we 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 talk I think you just said they have no idea what they're doing. And I I I I'm not discounting that at all. <laughs> but I think more importantly, they have no one coordinating. There's no overarching plan. There's no strategy that says this is how we're presenting. I our, think they said that they did. I think, they, I, I think that that that's what Jeff Johns' role was. Yeah, and I think again the difference between the way I had a Warner but, Brothers I had a runs there, DC films uh-huh. and the way Disney runs Marvel films is Marvel Studios gets to run itself. Yeah. Jeff Johns does not get to actually run DC right. films. Agreed, and it's a mistake. The the thing is, we've always given DC uh, not more than more than just a pass, but we've we've actually lauded them for their animated series. Mm-hmm. And there is no continuity. There's little continuity in that between those movies. They're very little coordinated in those between uh, one version of the Batman and another, or even Superman. There is some continuity. So all the anime-looking ones that have come out since yeah. uh, since they adapted that Justice League, D- New 52 Justice League, right. War, Justice League War. Right. 
every so two movies a year. There's a Justice League oriented one, uh, there's Throne of Atlantis that focuses on Aquaman. It follows. Basically, now there's a continuity based on who's voicing it. But for years, right, that were, wasn't the case. There were oh, the oh, the Batman and Superman ones were that they were based on Jeff Loeb. They, I'm, right. I, I'm, right. I'm not disproving him; just saying that right. there are a couple of connected ones. I, but I, not, I agree. But not greatly, I, I said yeah. there was some connection, but it didn't get. They didn't let it get in the way of telling a good story. And that was the main important part, is that they told good stories in those. They told the condensed story. They didn't necessarily go into all the nuances that had been in the original books, because most of them were adaptations of bigger stories, but told over an arch of six to 12 issues of another book. Which I don't know if this is true, if this is a realistic criticism, but I have heard that the trade paperbacks of those stories don't sell as well because uh-huh. they did too good a job. Because the, the because movies if are more you accessible. watch if you watch the All Star Superman right movie, it's such a great oh, adaptation of Grant Morrison's it book. So much beautiful stuff out. No, I, yeah. I know, but 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 the average person, look, if you're going to read All Star Superman, we've already read it. Yeah, you know, we were already there. For the audience coming at it now, it's like we were earlier talking. You know, and we'll get back to maybe a little bit about the Defenders. Is Netflix has a different audience. That's why you can get away with a, an article, and I can't remember which, which maybe it was even Rolling Stone. There's like how they brought the Defenders to the TV screen, and they were talking about Brian Michael Bendis' book. I'm like, that's only five issues in. That's not the Defenders. Yeah. You know, but the, you can get away with, with, I'm sorry, comics journalism that does not need to acknowledge anything over a year ago. Yeah. Of, of the legitimate history. And why I think. DC's animated series can get away with it, or animated films can get away with this better. And I still, man, I wish I just had time to sit down and write some think pieces here. Why, like, people are upset about Secret Empire, Marvel has always posited everything as, even though there were what-ifs, mm-hmm. up until Secret Wars of uh, this you know, the last two years, everything that Marvel did happened in one continuity. There wasn't really an alternate reality. Right. Whereas with DC, we are so used to reading right. so many different versions. Now the DC, um, uh, DC films, <laughs> the advantage here is you could do Gotham by gaslight as a live action. Red film. Sun. They're, they're, uh, apparently somebody did pitch a red sun. I don't know what's happened to it, but mm. there's a rumor that someone has wanted to do That'd that. Be really cool. And you could, although, they want to do those in animation first. Gotham by Gaslight is going to be the next animated film. Yeah. And, but DC has always been open to a lot of different interpretations. And I was thinking about this, why Secret Empire has a fascist Captain America and everybody freaks out, whereas five years ago there's a video game, Injustice, Gods Among Us, with mm-hmm. a fascist Superman. And, and nobody blinks. And it sells, you know, ten yeah. times, ten times as many people play that game as will ever pick up an issue of Secret Empire. Yeah. You know, but but we're used to. Oh yeah, DC's constantly deconstructing itself. Mm-hmm. Marvel tries it, and everybody loses their mind. Yep. To kind of paraphrase, paraphrase Heath Ledger as the Joker, and they all lose their mind. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's and that's what and that it's true. So um, we shall see what happens with Warner Brothers uh, and and DC Films. On the flip side, nobody knows what's much about uh, <laughs> Marvel's future after Infinity War Part Two, except that. One, James Gunn has said several times now, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be the last incarnation of that team, and it will plant the seeds for, which isn't a surprise to me, the next decade or so. 
people started losing their minds over he when someone asked him because he just did a Facebook because they released the the DVD and he said I'll just answer any questions on Facebook <laughs> so he did a Facebook live and somebody asked well what about Nova and he said yeah Nova's a very good possibility I love Rich Rider and so uh, you know so Nova might be a next next version Captain Marvel's gonna fit in that next sure fa- phase and now people are uh, you know and not not wrongfully saying. The disappointment now realizing that Captain Marvel is set in the 90s means, are we not going to see Brie Larson, Captain Marvel, in one of the Avengers Infinity War? 30 years later. But why would she age? Why, you know, know. you know, totally. I would so, so be thrilled. Uh On the other hand, I also want to say to people that are criticizing that is like, does Marvel have to tell you everything they're going to do? Because how cool would it be? Yeah. If... You know, I, I mean, to get Spider-Man into the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe, the Easter egg had to be retconned when they now claim he was in Iron Man 2. Right. And it's like it had to happen seven years later and say it because people, you know, I mean, I know that wasn't really what they thought then. Right. But that they that they had that room because, you know, you just thought about it. We're in a world where you can't have a surprise like that and i totally want a surprise i totally want to watch a movie and just like i did not see that coming right you know i just want to see something howard the duck you know it's like that was a great yeah you know and that was hidden you know for for a while um that's another advantage of writing uh, of writing mission breakout as many times as i have written (laughs) you're a little shorter now um i am uh so is my son but there are more there are more howard cameos than i thought Ah. And so we spot, uh, Luke and I spotted another one, uh, this last time we went. And so it's like, uh, it's just really cool. Can we break for a second on that? How, how does that ride fit together as far as what you see on any given trip through it? There are three video vignettes that you see depending on where you go. And there are at least nine. And then there's music. There are at least nine. Okay, but there are three slots that they there go into. There are three slots. Into which nine get randomized. Let's take this up at the up at the end because this afternoon they announced something that I knew about. Okay. But that we need to talk about. Okay. That, 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 that will fit exactly into your question. So okay. table it to the, to the very end. All right. You'll, you'll be happy. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about a Hellboy. Because uh, Rise of the Blood Queen, I had forgotten to mention that Mila Jovovich yes. is the Blood Queen, mm. and uh, so I like he and I, 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 you know, and David Harbor has said he's take, doing a different take, which I expect him to, but he said, you know, the thing is, like that Ron Perlman is just can't help but be macho and swaggering. He really <laughs> is, and David Harbor is trying to make it more of an act. That uh, that Hellboy is putting on this persona, he's not really that, that confident. But that they're not yeah. going to do an origin story, and I think, yeah, pretty much. Do we really need an origin story of Hellboy? We had one. He's a half. We did. Yeah. You know, they're not connected, but I mean, the the first two movies right, are not right, right. a connection. But I think the big surprise, and this will transition to TV, is that I just talked about Injustice. Injustice Two. Do you have it? I can't remember if you've been playing that game. No, I've never played that game. Actually, I played it when it first came out. On the character list of Injustice Two, you know, and they have the downloadable content. They've had they've had uh, silhouettes of characters. So 
we know that somewhere, because there's a little tiny character, we know that the Atom is coming to that game. Hmm. Just last week, they re- or two weeks ago, they released Starfire. And they released Sub-Zero uh, of, uh, about a month ago. Uh, this week, they released a video saying who the next three characters in the next downloadable character pack would be. And it was Black Manta, which you could see the outline. Hmm. Uh, Raiden, a different version of Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Which is like, I get it, because yeah. the realm of the yeah. developers of that. But there was a character where you saw that it was the outline of a trench coat. And so people were like, well, who's that? And Phantom Stranger? No, it was revealed this week. It's Hellboy. Hellboy is coming to Injustice wow. 2. Wow. And that I will get to play. Let me just say, okay, I know maybe you're not <laughs> you're a fighter game, get, but the fact that I have a video game where I can play Swamp Thing, <laughs> Dr. Fate, and now Hellboy all in one game. And they can beat on each other. That's what they do. Because <laughs> if there's a flaw in Injustice 2, the story mode is there's a lot of story that you don't really get to have anything to do with. Uh-huh. There are no choices. Well, actually, there are. I Luke uncovered for me. You know, I don't go on to the spoiler. I don't go sure, on to the sites and sure. stuff. I just play the game. He uncovered that there are a couple of places where the choice <coughs> you make of which character you're going to use to fight within the story mode changes the path of the game it triggers a, a different a different pa- a different story node a different path yeah but then once you get to this thing called the multiverse which is somewhat disappointing in that <laughs> i just is that it is you get these alternate earths where you can just have tournaments and but there's always an explanation of what's happening in this earth what's making it a, a multiversal elseworlds okay and you really want to see that game, <laughs> you know, the description of what's happening. Like, oh, Red Tornado. And there, there's a – I discovered a world last week where you could get a sidekick mode and the Red Tornado was going to help you. But Red Tornado's not in the game. So then it's like this this Red Tornado literally comes in and, you know, picks up because they're using the physics of, of a trick that Atrocitus does. And I was like, eh, you know – but when you see these downloadable characters and go, and then you can actually fight with them, it, it is awesome. And yes, I mean, you're right. They're just beating on each other. There really isn't anything right, right. to it, but it's still, it's strangely fun. Because there's really weird, um, there's depth to the dialogue. The disappointment with The Flash is that in The Flash fighting, he steals Quicksilver's dialogue from Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh my, really? When he pauses, he goes... But you didn't see that coming. And I'm like, come on, couldn't you guys? And then Aquaman does some really bad fish puns. But there's an interesting thing discovered with Starfire because then I asked Luke, what happened? Because you have Robin, and Robin is Damien, an adult, a full-grown Damien. Okay. Um, in the trench coat? In Injustice 2. No, no, no. We're not getting He's to the trench coat. But uh, in not Injustice, in- Gods Among Us, there was a Nightwing you could fight with. And then it was revealed if you got to the end of a combat sequence... They played out an ending where it was revealed that it was Damien. It wasn't Dick. And you you assumed it was the alternate universe Dick Grayson. And it was Damien the whole time. But uh, in this one, I asked I asked Luke, um, so what happened to Dick Grayson? Because we've seen Damien. Uh, the Red Hood showed up as a downloadable character. Um, in the comic book, so Luke apparently had read the Injustice comic or or like gone to the Wikipedia. In the comic book... Um, Damien accidentally killed Dick. Oh. Threw something at him, distracted him. In, in the f- comic book. In, in the, the comic in book. In Justice Com- comic, in a, yeah. in a, And he accidentally 
Uh, it distracted Dick. Dick missed it, slipped, hit a rock, hit his head on a rock, and died in combat because he hit his head just right and broke his neck. So Starfire shows up, and when Starfire pauses, she says, if you, if you fight uh, Robin, she says, I blame you. And they've got all this really interesting little dialogue for a continuity that there's no way in the game you would have any way of knowing. Uh-huh. And so you play the story out, and it's what's even creepier is if you beat Brainiac in this battle mode, they play out an ending, and they reveal that, star- that the Teen Titans on this world were basically Teen Titans Go. And it's just, they're just grown-up versions. And it's like... <laughs> That's a very sad. I don't want Dick Grayson to die. That way. <laughs> so it was, it was odd. It was odd. But uh, so I think the Hellboy thing is people are like, how did the Hellboy get into DC? Well, there is a Dark Horse crossover with Batman and, and Hellboy, but I think this is a great way to promote and get people ready for sure. the next for the next movie. So uh, you know that's that's uh, it, it, it's very cool. I got very excited. Let us talk. Speaking of David Harbor, Stranger Things. Uh, the producers have confirmed that we were only going to get four seasons, that there will be an organic ending, which I think is actually smart because the cast will probably age out by the yeah, time they I got to four. So. Well, they have you to know? write that into the story because they're and, at that age. And I pretty much just want, I, I love these things that end. I'm sorry. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I, you know, and, and if they have a plan, I'm going to be very excited. Netflix also announced, I don't know if you, if, if this excites you as much, but that they're remaking, they're doing a series of The Haunting of Hill House, and Timothy Hutton has just signed on to play the lead. And I really despise the remake that was made with Liam Neeson that Spielberg, that Amblin Entertainment did. But now if you, is that? I mean, The Haunting, The Haunting, The Haunting. So yeah. the original novella by Shirley Jackson was The right. Haunting of Hill House. Right. So have you ever seen the Ray Wise? Not Ray Wise. <laughs> he was not a director. Hmm. He's still on Twin Peaks. Uh, the uh, who was that guy? The guy who directed Star Trek The Motion Picture and Sound of Music. And he directed The Haunt. It's Wise is the last name. Robert Wise. Robert Wise, yeah. Robert yeah. Wise. Robert right. Wise directed so The Haunting. I trying to find a different Wise. Huh? Yeah. No, Robert Robert Wise directed The Haunting. And if you do yourself a favor, like in 1961 with Russ Tamblin, so there is a Twin Peaks connection. Yeah, okay. Um, that it is a masterpiece of doing an incredible amount job of scaring the crap out of you with nothing. Right. Special, not even special effects, just lighting changes and sound effects and yeah. suspense. And I, I showed that to students because I would compare and say, like, look at this. It's like, how much have we lost by doing this special effects extravaganza? You see that haunting remake with everything is CG'd and all this. And it's, you know, it, and it's just they went for spectacle. Whereas by just suggesting in the shadow and it just builds and builds and builds and scares the crap out of you. Yeah. So I would well, like that's the best. That's the best kind of letting fear. the imagination yeah. go, isn't that? Uh, is that uh, Stephen King's Dance Macabre? Then uh, you write essays on that. It was one of the things because I remember yeah. him talking about like radio shows and growing up on that. But anyway, um, so I, I think we'll table some of the Defenders thoughts because Netflix just dropped that. But um, because you haven't watched it, you have, you have not watched that yet. But it, I'm getting all caught up before. I yeah, get to that. it was a big, uh, you know, it, it 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 dropped with great impact and probably greater impact than uh, Iron Fist did, mm-hmm. uh, and probably even to some extent, which is a shame, Luke Cage, because I think that Luke Cage, out of all of them, that is my favorite series. And I wasn't ready for how Luke Cage ended. 
given I knew Defenders was coming. So I'm assuming But it ties in perfectly. Yeah. They, they, I, they I, actually tie that. There was to, enough there was enough threads that yeah. were exposed in like the last three minutes of Luke Cage. That, I think the strong point of the Defenders is uh, as far as the first episode goes, is that is that it, it's it's so strong and weak that you have to show where all four are, right? But that time has passed, and <laughs> so Iron Fist Iron Fist benefits from it because basically mm-hmm. Iron Fist, uh, the Defenders begins basically a day after Iron Fist ends. Okay, whereas it's been months for Luke Cage, and it's been even more longer for Daredevil and longer for Jessica Jones. So. It's a bad thing for Jessica Jones as a character because it's like, really? You haven't moved? You know, you think she's been in a different place there, which doesn't matter because she's so great in the role. Uh, Kristen Ritter right, right. just like goes, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why we love that series. I love that line. She goes, and you are, and she goes, classy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, she's great. She's yeah. great. But out of the series, I just love, I just like Luke Cage the best because I, I don't think I expected to. Yeah. And I just think. You know, and I like him as an actor, but but really, Kristen Ritter makes that work as Jessica Jones insanely well. And and uh, there is something to Daredevil has grown on me. I don't think that the individual series were that great, but where where the Defenders will leave Daredevil, yeah, sets up a season three that's going to be fantastic. Daredevil, Daredevil for me it was really the second season was really soft to begin with, but it finished big. It finished the last quarter that I was really happy with. And then, you know. and I'm torn if I want the if I want the Punisher, um, you know. I mean, it's happening, and they and there's a trailer. Be careful because Netflix will try to roll past it. They included a trailer at the end yeah, of the yeah. last episode of, of of the Defenders, but if you have autoplay, it'll just go. You know, it, it next jumps, recommendation, yeah, jump. So I had to go back and like go, you know, and and it looks okay. You know, I I, I thought that the Punisher in the in the Daredevil se- season two was great. It was I the first time was I've a, cared. He was actually a believable. Yes. Punisher, whereas, I mean, I enjoyed the last movie, but it still it was like it was not really the comic character Punisher for me, and this one isn't really either. But it's it's a character I can kind of believe. But he in. made me care about him. Yeah. I always I always cared about his origin. Like I said, oh, I totally get the tragedy, but but the response never evoked. You know, I mean, right. his his choices never evoked like his a, drive is really believable in this. I mean, he's, and plus he looks an awful lot like a Steve Dillon drawing of the Punisher. Uh-huh. He does, and that's my favorite. That's yeah. my favorite comic. You know, and that's who it is. Of course, now uh, while we were on while we were away, uh, Disney announced they're going to start their own streaming service, and they're going to pull all the Disney content. Although they had to the next day. Say no, Marvel's gonna stay on Netflix, and Star Wars will stay on Netflix. Yeah, maybe Netflix's stock dropped like four percent on this announcement that Disney's gonna create its own streaming. But it's service. years out that that's actually gonna happen. Two years. Yeah, they're gonna pull all the content by the end of 2018, and so there's still time to watch it all. <laughs> <laughs> really? Tell me. Uh, and you know, but they plan to launch by 2019, and. Uh, I don't know why we why people got surprised. For a long time, Bob Iger has said, like, you know, we could do a Star Wars channel. We have enough content to do a Star Wars channel. We have enough content to do a Marvel channel. You you have Disney films, don't you? You, you have digital films that you've purchased. Well, the, well you buy the Blu-ray, and then they, right. and they, they give, give you the, the digital, code, right? Yeah. So they've had, this, they've had this kind of stuff ready. And, and set you know you can watch it on every few and, months you have to you have to tell itunes yes you still want to be you still want to have access to digital films and yeah. i've actually 
uh, for being the low, the slow adopter. I've been on a couple of pl- plane flights where I've downloaded a Disney film ahead oh, yeah. of time and just watched. You know what's great for plane flights is the Disney shorts, the two volumes of Disney shorts. Yeah, I have those too, and I should. Yeah. You know, um, but there's sometimes I have a lot of animated films and go like, well, I haven't watched this in such a long time. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, you know, was this as good as I remember or not. Um, so uh, the rumor is it'll be like five, at least an introductory fee because everything with Disney is, is introductory. And I hope you can you can hear the tapping of the vein <laughs> as it's coming up. Uh, Five dollars a month uh-huh. is the rumor price, and this is uh, you know, this is just people speculating that Disney will offer it low. But again, and we've talked about this before. We're getting at this point when you realize because I, I, I got casting news: Anna Diop is cast as Starfire for the live action Titans, Teen Titans series that you have that will only be on the streaming service that they're going to launch for DC. So if I'm going to have a Disney streaming service and a DC streaming service and I still want to stream BritBox, so I, I subscribe to BritBox so I can catch up on old Doctor Who's. Um, and then I've got so Shudder. Has Warner got a streaming service or is this DC? No, uh, well, they have. Uh, they did launch a few months ago, though people, I don't know how it's doing, is Boomerang. So all the Cartoon oh, yeah, Network yeah, stuff yeah. went uh-huh. on to, but it's not all. And that's the thing is, I, this is my frustration is if you're going to offer if you're going to make me pay for something like BritBox which I haven't subscribed to yet because I know I don't have the time right now to make it worth my while and they're counting on it it's like a it's like a health club membership yeah that I have to I have to consciously go okay I'm going to watch Hulu at least once this week to justify my subscription to Hulu yep. and I got to watch Netflix so thank god that I was able to binge the defenders because the time was right it was like that justified Netflix for the month and and my kids have have more time and they yeah. do and they do access it and I'm and I don't begrudge that I'm happy to pay for that for them but uh, but when you the, you know we just don't have the time but if you're going to offer that then you better have the content in place boomerang didn't have a lot um <laughs> Britbox offered the entire back catalog of of Doctor Who except for the five doctors because they were holding that for the rift tracks thing and I think that's it'll show up yeah um and but if I take that apart, so I have Shutter, I have Netflix, I have Hulu, I have Amazon Prime, um, which there are pros and cons of that. I mean, the tick will be interesting. Uh, Men in the High Castle, but then you, if I add BritBox, DC, Disney, so we're talking seven minimum. Paramounts. Uh, oh, CBS. Yeah. Eight. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna feed my Jones for all these different fandoms that I that I do want to support, right. well, I mean, I dropped Hulu this month, and I'm probably gonna finish the series I'm watching on Crunchyroll right now, and then I'm gonna drop it for a while, because I think that I can I can basically drop drop them for you know six eight months. And then they'll offer you a deal. And then, back, we miss you. You know, but Hulu is insidious because they will let you pause your account for a certain amount of time. And then you have to go back in before that is over and say, I want to pause it again. Otherwise, they automatically charge you for the month, uh, you know. Well, well I'm okay with that. Months. I'm actually okay with that. Yeah. Um, because, But Hulu is how I caught up on a lot of things. But now, again, you know. And you're not even counting because I know you have Xfinity too, and Xfinity has a lot of stuff on demand as well. Although that's changing because now a lot of that on demand is is restricted, and they're charging. To, yeah. So like, 
wanted to go back and binge a little revisit Rick and Morty and suddenly everything from the first two seasons costs like two bucks yeah. an episode for a half an hour episode for a half an hour show what was the other show we were talking about oh uh, uh, people of earth people of earth people of earth but you can go on to Hulu and it's got Rick and Morty all the first two seasons but they're not showing the third season so then you have to either yeah. go on to on demand which by the way you have to do it on the TV you can't do it on your computer it won't. Uh, really? No, I was able to do that. I'm sorry. I couldn't cast the Adult Swim ah. app, which was supposed to work. It won't cast. It won't to, cast uh, casting thing. So yeah. you know that's. Anyway, I once again it's still with us, folks. It got a little nerdy there. Uh, it did. It did. When really the point is that Anna Diop is Starfire <laughs> and Titans are coming. Where do I know that name from? Uh, she was in the last twenty four. the The twenty four revival they did. Oh, she was the daughter. Or I maybe I don't okay. know I didn't watch twenty four, um, and uh, speaking of Netflix and Jessica Jones, Marvel has television. It wants to ad- uh, develop a Jessica Jones like series <laughs> for ABC, and somebody else pointed out today. And I should thought, have said like and not light. Light, no, <laughs> absolutely light. They wanted to be more comedic because they uh, they like um, what had gone on with what. Who's the J in Apartment Twenty One? What ha- what's happening with? Um, Secret War, uh, New Warriors, with uh, you know by bringing Squirrel Girl, to right, right, War. right. So ABC wants a little taste of that action. Well, here's the thing: uh, <laughs> they did have a show that was that satisfied fired on all cylinders, and that was called Agent Carter. So why don't you just revive Agent Carter? And then somebody said, "Well, you know, it was only canceled because she got cast on another show." Yeah, on ABC. Right. ABC sabotage. ABC had. And where is that show now? Gone. I want Haley Atwell back. I want a third season of uh-huh. Agent, Agent Carter. Uh-huh. We'll see. But now let us get back to you. It's not on the menu, on the agenda tonight, right. we were, but we were talking about uh, Mission Breakout. Right. And uh, because there were, uh, that's the- So this is a Disney, uh, Disney, Disney ride, ride and California Adventure that took over the Tower of Terror. Yes. Uh, and so uh, there are six songs with six ride profiles. So the way that you go up and down changes- and I think I should mention, uh, I, I will admit, it broke down on about the fifth time Luke and I went on it. and While you were on it? While we were on it. Nice. Uh, it was a little bit of a panic for me. Yeah. Uh, stuck in this thing, and they're just like going, no, don't worry, don't worry. You Every know? now that it shakes up and down? Or? No, you just froze. It you just know? froze. And then they, they slowly rolled us up, and... Somebody pried open the doors. Are you okay in there? Yeah. Are you okay? Good. Okay. We're going to test this. And then, you know, it took <laughs> right. while. you don't say test to people. Who are <laughs> yeah. Elevator like, that's not like, working. No. Uh, and then they said, well, we're going to put a couple extra sandbags we'll give in you, with you. We'll or? give you a fast pass. Uh, good for any ride. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, or you can go on to the elevator shaft next door and ride it anyway. And Luke's <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, I don't really want to, but I'm going to be brave for my son. So, you know, it was fun. I, I just never been in that experience. Um, but anyway, there, there are, uh, so that's the ride profile changes and the cut scenes, if you will, I guess when it opens up into the video, what happens there are, I've counted at least nine. So it, there are some that, um, happen in a couple of different songs. Uh, so I thought there would be more than there were. I, I thought it would be 18, but I've only seen. I, I think it's really only nine. They double up. Like which, a song, two songs will have the same video sequence. Okay. Um, I, I I don't know that for sure because it's not like I was actually recording or or. Tracking. So the songs have a set profile and 
and videos at the yes. stops of those profile. On yes. That profile. Okay. So there, are, but so where the variant comes in is—is is, is there any variant then? I, I, I the variant depending on which song you get. Okay, so it's six different songs. It's six different and six different. Yeah, I say ride profiles. The way the pattern of it going okay. up and down because they say like. Um, Oh crap! I can't now. Uh, free ride is the one that I got five times in a row. Uh-huh. Uh, free ride, the cast members that I've talked to said that's the best ride experience. Oh, okay, so so they've put it uh, but higher. But for me, I like the Jackson Five. The I, I want you back because it's it tells the story best. The oh, sequence okay. of the videos yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. It fulfills the promise of what they well, say. I, did, I, I wasn't actually seeing the story until I'd read it, wrote it a couple of times, and saw different profiles right so. right right so yeah. the story makes the most sense through i want you back okay um but they just announced today that they are going to in fact i think i have a, a picture of what they're calling it there will be a halloween version of the ride at night oh and let me scroll back to i know that i have the uh Oh, no, it was, oh, dang it, it was Snapchatted to me. That's bad. Uh, but that basically the whole ride will change in that Baby Groot will be trapped alone in the collector's vault. And oh. so now the ride is to rescue him from the the vault from the vault creatures that are loose. But again, only after sunset. So during the day, you can ride Mission Breakout, but during the night, you ride this it's like monsters Rescue, on baby. the loose okay it, it, it's monsters in the title so mon- okay. you know the night mo- monsters at night or something like amazing clear so i had not really thought about it but <coughs> the advantage of doing those video screens is yeah you could totally just change songs out in the audio and you can change the video yeah and it becomes a great overlay for the for halloween and um you know i was a little disappointed when i went um first couple times we went we fast tracked and uh fast we went directly fast we went directly in when the mm-hmm. ride opened and then we fast passed immediately after that and then late night as the park was about to close i went and got in line again now that was the first time i got in line where i didn't go immediately into the ride mm-hmm. and i was you see a lot more i was I saw a lot more, but I didn't see as much as I thought I was going to see because most of That's the line true is too. most lines outside, outside in kind of this vineyard. Column there's, an, thing. there's an interesting thing that I notice uh, when there aren't as many people, and it's just the effect of not having as many people because the chatter isn't as loud. Yeah, you suddenly hear a lot more. There's a lot of audio oh. outside for Mission Breakout that you don't notice. I didn't. I don't remember any of it. Right. Yeah. No, but the but the 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 museum docent the the purple girl is like talking. There's a whole ra- they're playing a, the collector's radio station. They're playing audio clips from the collector's audio collection. Oh, interesting. And so some of it is recognizable as music. Some of it is just like grunts, and they go, "This is one of his favorites." And so they are telling the story outside. And I noticed the same thing as like haunted mansion. You you just notice a lot more. Like Luke even commented to me going on the Haunted Mansion, like the when Madame Leota says rap, you know, rap on the table, t- send us a message from somewhere beyond. Uh-huh. And there's a very faint three taps. And Luke turned to me and said, that is the first time I've ever heard that. Uh-huh. And it, and it's just because people were quieter because it was hot. There weren't as many people around. Right, right. So whatever that sense of that builds a crowd up to being talking louder so that they can all 
talk over each other and be heard. Just the buzz. Yeah. The, the buzz, it goes away. Even within a dark ride like Haunted Mansion, it's yeah. like suddenly, oh, it's even it's literally quieter in here. Yeah. And you can hear what the Imagineers wanted you to hear. So um, it's it, it'll be interesting I mean, it, it, to see how well this uh, so that's going to open September 15th and going to run through Halloween. So well, the planes are coming back. Um, anyway, uh, so the other thing I was going to say uh, that they added after we went down to D23, so I don't think you, it was available, was they've added this Max Pass uh, that goes mm-hmm. onto the app. Okay. So you pay $10 per ticket extra. Okay. And then the fast pass system is all on your phone. So you don't have to go to station to oh, station. You, just, you can just say well, this is This these, is my next one. These fast passes are available and it's the introductory price yeah. of ten dollars per ticket. So uh but with that you also get the photo pass. So um any photog- any, oh, so the photo- any photographs they take officially, including ride photos, right. you can download to your oh, phone. Oh, your ride photos get on? Your ride photos get on. So they say you, you get off the ride, and then they have the code, you know, that normally you would go to the counter and say, right. I would like this. You just go, you enter the code into your phone, and it downloads to your phone. And so we can... And they may- charge you? No. They don't charge? Oh, it's, it's $10. It's included in the $10 oh, that's per awesome. ticket. So I got that's funny. I got five ride photos. Uh, you never really the first time I ever saw anything like that, and I haven't seen that many. Was when we were in um, we were in the Bahamas, and we had gone out on a on a a, a day cruise. We're out on a sandbar in the middle of the ocean with a bunch of stingrays. And they took us pictures of us with the stingrays and stuff. And on the mm-hmm. boat back, they came by with an iPad, showed us the pictures that we had. And if we wanted to buy them, we mm-hmm. trans- we did the transaction electronically, and they downloaded them to our phone Yeah, right then. And so... Yeah, so that's what they're living doing. in the future. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Disney took that. That uh, well, because I say, uh, you know, I'm, the the downside was that I took a 13 year old who had just crossed the threshold into I don't want my photo taken, uh-huh. and I said uh, I paid. We get this service extra. Um, you are going to pose in front of the statue. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the downside is I don't think they have as many photographers out as they used to because uh-huh. now it's not as as profitable for them. By by doing this, because like we were at, well, they're usually right there in front of the train station. Mm-hmm. So and we then got they're on they, the castle. I didn't see them up front. They were only with characters, and then they were in front of the castle for the statues. I said we're getting a partner statue, and then I wanted to get the the other one of young Walt and right. Mickey in California Adventure, California and there was nobody uh. nobody there for that. So we selfied with that. But it was on oh, Cars Land too on the main. But strip. it's still a great. I mean, that is a great service. Now I don't know if. I don't know when they're going to raise the price because when they say introductory, I'm right. going to have to assume they are, and I don't know how much that will be. And I think that if you were taking a big like, ten dollars per ticket, it's ten dollars per ticket, so it cost me twenty dollars a day. Right. But again, it meant that I could go. You know, we could. Why Luke was able to ride uh, Guardians of the Galaxy five? Well, we, I think it was four times one day, and then we did it four times another because we go on. We got the fast pass. We got off, and I said, "Do you want me to fast pass it again?" And in the gift shop went boom. We have now fast passed. Oh, it's just in an hour from now. And then what else? Do you want? Let's take a break and go uh, without having to walk over there. We get off of Gardens of Galaxy. Do you want to fast pass for Soren? Great. Boom. You want to go to Caliburn Screaming? 
and, and it just tells you which park do you want to go. This is what's available. So we got, you know, Indiana Jones. You got, um, so it's it's what we talked about, like how the- Bug ma- Slice right there, too. Not for long. Really? Uh, um, Bugs Land. Uh, no, actually, we did do the It's Tough to Be a Bug, yeah. but um, the rumor I, I hear is, you know, at D23, when they said they're going to put more Marvel stuff in there, yeah. it, some of it's it's going to eat into, I think it's going to eat into Bugs Land. Um, but, uh, and there's an interesting continuity going on there. I figured out the the continuity that, that the, the Avengers show that's happening, uh, that's kind of like the Jedi Academy they do. Right, right. Um, that uh, in that Iron Man shows up on a video screen and says, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't be there. I'm busy in Hong Kong. And realize that Tower of Terror, I mean, it's a weird time loop when you realize the story of Mission Breakout, sort of like it is a recursive loop. Like clearly Rockets already already has escaped because he's got his paw print on the sign luring you into the ride, but we're watching the story of the escape. Right. And and we see where he spilled the paint. You know, I could drive people yourself nuts with the time <laughs> with the time loop. Um but anyway, he references being in Hong Kong, which means that Mission Breakout and the Avengers show endlessly happen in like the same half hour time period as Iron Man the experience the Iron Man experience in, in Hong the Hong Kong. Kong Park. Yeah. And as they said, is there's is that it may look like the movies, but there's an amusement park continuity, and I think that the amusement park continuity is like the same half hour. I would not be surprised. They announced D twenty three that Orlando is going to get a Guardians of the Galaxy ride that's different than Mission Breakout. Uh-huh. That I would bet that that what's going to happen is that Mission Breakout is the first fifteen minutes, right? And what happens in Orlando is the next fifteen minutes, or you know some you can all you can place it all in the same day, basically. Because they still have Tower of Terror in Orlando. They do. Yeah. It's not replacing Tower of Terror. It's going into Epcot. Yeah. So, you know, which there's a lot of criticism. Epcot and, and to some extent, Hollywood Studios are <coughs> becoming mar- uh, are becoming Marvelized. Right. They're becoming IP-oriented. Right. And that's another conversation to have where it's like people are complaining because it doesn't always have to be about the IP. And, like, for the vast majority of their customers, it does. Yeah. And there's just no way around it. I mean, there is, but if nobody's going into that ride, right? It doesn't matter how classically beautiful it was. You know, the exception being somebody just messaged me, uh, my friend Doug Livingston. I will there. There's an email on Facebook. He reached out to me and said, "Why isn't anybody in great moments with Mr. Lincoln?" And I, he said, "One, the air conditioning is great." And I said, "Yes, it is. And it's huh. a great and it's a great figure. You want to see a, a state of the art, cutting edge audio animatronic of a human." They have they improve that figure all the time, uh-huh. and it, it's tremendous. And right now, more than ever, sitting down and listening to a story of trying to hold this country together. I mean, I'm I'm not, I'm not saying it to be right, like right, right, no. little. It was like uh, I went in there a couple months ago and just I I cried at the end. It's always been inspiring, and it is yeah. you know. Plus, a great actor that we have still have Royal Dano's voice because uh, they haven't changed that since 1965. So. Um, and I guess we haven't changed much since 1965. It still went too long. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening this far. Uh, and, of course, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for good.
thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. Test, test. Test, 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 test. Nope. You're hearing it in both ears, right? Yeah. Uh, wait, let me try. Speak again. You hear me? I hear you on my left. And you hear me now? You hear me now? Yeah. Interesting. There we go. But now I don't hear, you, hear it. Now you don't hear it? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. There for a second to do. Now? Now? It's gone. Now? No. Now? Now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm going to see yes until yeah. it stops. Okay. So let me know when recording actually does begin. But uh, We are started. Oh, okay. Because some yeah, of the notes because, are in yeah, Aladdin, in a, right, in a, right, right. a whole new world. And so, you know, it, it's, it's like, that's what I say, we're in a cultural shift. It's not going to go fast. But if we think it's going to be pleasant, what revolution is? What evolution is pleasant? Look at Pokemon Go. You watch a character evolve in that, that looks painful as hell. And that's really what's, you know, I mean, I'm being silly about it. But it's, You watch a character involved in it? When you take a Pokemon and you right. evolve it, right. none of them look like they're enjoying the process. <laughs> well, we all know what happens when they get sent off to the... Off to get you made into candy. and they're delicious. Yeah, they are delicious. But uh, 